0: Welcome to this week's CTO Studio. I sit with Unmeh Srivastava. We talk about India, we talk about healthcare, we talk about the future of healthcare. Stay tuned. Well,
1: I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. see, see. It, it looks something like this.
0: Welcome to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Etienne de Bruyne. CTO Studio is where we chat with CTOs building amazing products with incredible teams. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Okay, Unmesh Srivastava. That's right. Welcome to the CTO studio. Thank you, Etienne. Do you know what you signed up for? Ah, uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining. Uh, I, we're in Los Angeles. Where do you live? I live in
1: greater LA in the city of Monrovia.
0: Okay. Yeah. And wh- you, you are from India. I am from and India. And I have only one question for you. Yes. One question and one statement. Which one should I do first? Well, whatever is better. <laughs> well, I'll do Sachin Tendulkar. That's,
1: yeah. He's a global phenomenon.
0: <laughs> for... And then my second question is, what was your order in the batting order?
1: Sure. Ah, yes. So, yeah, I, I grew up playing cricket. And uh, in India, like most of the other kids do, I used to play cricket and I was an opening batsman. Oh. So you go on the strike
0: first. I was an opening batsman as well. Oh, that's so cool. So as a South African, obviously, <coughs> cricket was is a big deal for us. Yes. Do you follow cricket? I do, I do. So you're following, do you have a Willow subscription? I do, I do. There's
1: an India-Australia series yes, going on right yes. now. So
0: what, what's happening there? What, what's what's well,
1: standing? So India won the, well, there was a test, so you know the difference, yes, right? There's yes. this test series and then there's the one days. Mm-hmm. So India won the test series after, I think, I don't know, 70 years or so. Oh, in, australia, in australia australia in australia and then now they're playing the Wanderers, so they lost
0: the first game mm. yeah south africa right now is playing pakistan yes. and we're destroying them in the test series <laughs> hey my, my i'm talking two three-day tests oh oh two three-day tests well they well five days ending in three days wow that's huge that's
1: great well my my favorites were um Jack Callis, mm, Jack
0: Callis, mm. and uh, John T. Rhodes. Mm. <laughs> so uh, my son's name is Jacques, which is Jacques Callis. Jacques Callis. So when did you come to the States? I came to the States in 2008.
1: Okay. And uh, I came here in, in Los Angeles to California State University, Northridge, uh, to pursue Master's of Science in Engineering Management. Mm. So, um, yeah, it just time just flew by.
0: How was that? Uh, so which city are you from in India? I'm from New Delhi. Oh, in I've India. been to New Delhi. Oh, wow. It's, how did you like the traffic? The traffic was okay. How about the food? <laughs> the food was amazing. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm a South African, so we have a lot of Indians in South Africa. That's true. Um, I will say I almost got killed by a snake in the park. Oh, my God. Those things that they do when they. Which park did you go to? <laughs> it's, it must have been the dangerous park. <laughs> Basically, sure. uh, the park was. It was a Friday night, and the park was packed. Mm-hmm. And everywhere you went, you had these snake charmers. And wow, that's oh my! And now, how long ago was that? That was in about ninety nine, two thousand. You should go there again. <laughs> is it? Is it? it's i
1: think there's there's um you know the world is moving to a more global sort of ways of doing things right i i think india right now the way it's growing in terms of its economy i think it's the world's second fastest growing economy so i don't i i think just it's just different from ninety nine to now if you go there like you know i uh, before starting at my current gig we I was working with the United Health Group, and uh, we had around uh, thirteen to sixteen thousand people working uh, off of Gurgaon, which is sort of close to new delhi and um, I think it 's different now, like you know the overall economy is growing people are
0: uh, people are growing with it, and there 's so much going on so so, if I was to walk through that park today, you're saying it would be more snake charmers or less? I think it will be. I don't think you'll see any snake charmers. Really? Now. Yeah. Really? So, you're saying is, is, is it just becoming more metropolis-fied, metropolified, or whatever? It's more. Yes, gentrified. It's way more
1: metro now. And yeah, it's, it's just different now because I remember growing up in New Delhi. Uh, I go back now, I go try to go back once a year, or for work I do travel, because we have our offshore teams there, and now it's considerably different, very are metro. Your,
0: are your offshore teams in Delhi?
1: Well, when I was at United, okay. we had okay. in Gurgaon,
0: yeah. Um, the the other experience I had was, we kept going north-east to try and get to Nepal, mm-hmm. and I kept saying to my wife, "I just want to get. I want to go to a small town. Mm-hmm. I want to just be in a small, remote town. Mm-hmm. And every town we got to, it was smaller, but it, there were still millions of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like s- small, right? <laughs> yeah, no. it's I mean, a small village is could have five million people in it. Right. Well, yeah, and uh, well,
1: we guys are second in terms of the world population. So you're talking about 1.3 billion
0: yes, people. Yes. And, 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 and that's what I tell my friends about my experience is, being in a country that has a billion plus people is, is in and of itself a remarkable experience because there are people everywhere. That's the true. small towns are, have, have hundreds of thousands of people in them. That's true. And then um, I, almost, I probably almost died in a bus ride <laughs> Do you know Nanital? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so we were on one of those mountain passes. Okay. And I cannot believe that more people don't die on those drives. Oh, yeah. Those are crazy drives. I've never, ever seen a bus have to stop so that everyone can puke out the windows because of sickness and oh, then get back God. in the bus and go.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. I, I think now, as, as I said, now I'm assuming this was a This was in 1999, yeah. Yeah I I think now things are changing mm-hmm. but still I think there's a long way to go now granted the the country has been independent only for 70 years and I think it it's like you know phoenix rising out of mm-hmm. ashes mm-hmm. since in 1947 the independence mm-hmm. came so I think there's if you really see that and I think it's similar with South Africa as well yeah, uh, they're trying to stand up and move fast yeah. and the kind of growth that has been in the economy in the country last 20 years has been amazing
0: except that South Africa is going backwards pretty badly why is that there's a war on the whites mm-hmm. get them out of the Africa for the Africans interesting sad yeah anyways <laughs> Uh, just a final sort of to t- to close that do you what is your mental model for Mahatma Gandhi what do you mean by mental like is model like he, is he like Mandela for me is the father of the nation mm-hmm. remarkable human being who transformed our society for at least two decades post apartheid mm-hmm. what as an as an as a as an Indian citizen slash Heritage who is Gandhi to you? Well, I think the biggest role
1: in India's independence, you know, he was the one along with a lot of other freedom fighters who led it but you know he was the father of the nation and that's how I think majority across mm-hmm. India you will you know we consider him father mm-hmm. of the nation mm-hmm. because he led us through the independence mm-hmm. and it was a long fight. Um, and some of his principles, I think, you know, like non-tolerance, uh, you know, well, uh, well, his, his principle were that, you know, you stay calm, you have to be very tolerant and, you know, don't, don't respond to, um, if there's bad going mm-hmm. on, you necessarily mm-hmm. do not have to respond to, to, to it by doing bad stuff, right? So I think I, I clearly follow that in my profession mm-hmm. as well and my personal life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. I went to his, um, I think he's Eternal Flame or something. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So let's get back to reality. You sure. are the CTO. So, t- tell us about your journey to, to going from United Health, coming to the States to, to complete your engineering management master's degree. Yeah. Then what happened? So I um, came here in 2008. Uh, and
1: I I was always, so my undergrad is electronics and communication engineering, but I've always been a people person and I've always liked managing projects, you know, people, work and, and taking ownership. So uh, when I was planning to do my master's, I thought that what better than engineering management? Uh, to pursue as a course. So, um, I got admission in Cal State Northridge right after I completed my undergrads. I came over. Um, Back in 2008, it was peak recession, Mm. Um, Mm. and people were not having jobs, and it was a different state when I came here. It was very different than how I had imagined it. Um, But I think it taught me quite a bit because at the time when I was going to school, I was doing part time jobs i was learning my first campus job was at burger king and uh, when i started working i was not very happy about i was like okay i'm a electronics and communication engineer what the heck am i doing at burger king right but i think Why that did you, what did you do at burger king oh, well i was on the front uh, on the cash i was at the cashier's register And uh, it was in the school. But now I retrospectively, I I go back and think about Mm. it. How how that shaped you. Yeah, it shaped me quite a bit. Because now, one, I had to talk to all different nationalities, talk to different people. And then one of the things that you asked to do uh, as a cashier, you are looking at your business and and you're making sure that you can make money for it, right? So I was always selling. So the art of selling, Mm. uh, I think that was one place that taught me quite a bit. How mm-hmm. can I, con- and my, you know, I was famous because, you know, it's it's like if someone is there to get a small, uh, you know, small burger and a drink, I will make sure they go out of the door <laughs> with a large drink and a large price, so.
0: And were you incentivized for that or? No, no,
1: I think it's just generally making so sure. So let's
0: do that. I come to you and I want a small. <laughs> Good price. Sure. What what is the first thing you say to me?
1: Well, I think that's a great choice that Thank you're you. here for, mm. you know, Whopper or Whopper Junior, but hey, you know, it's a long day and I know you've got classes. What's going on? What's your major? Oh, so what's your major, eighteen?
0: I'm computer science.
1: Okay. So I'm assuming you'll have classes in the evening, seven to ten. Oh my All god. All night. Yeah, so and I have to study and you have to study. So I, you know, if you ask me my suggestion, just pay 20 cents more. I mean,
0: yeah, take You take, have me. Yeah. I'll take my money. <laughs> that's
1: more <laughs> <perfect. laughs> Right. So, yeah, that's that's how it worked.
0: Wow. So so I think uh, I always love how when you when you listen to any story or any person you admire, you always there's always that period in their t- in their life where you know, things just don't go their way. They had to fight through struggle and, you know, and and I think in a way um, going into a job like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't surprise me that it's helped shape, you know, you. Yeah. Because it's not just what you learn, it's how the character has to adjust and, and grow into this responsibility, even if it is mundane.
1: Right. And, and I think if you, you know, what you were just talking about, I think it goes back to that. I think the concept is similar. When you're working for a multi-billion dollar enterprise or you're working for a mom and pop store, end of it as a fabric that you build inside of you is how can you do your best and how can you sell your organization or your services or whatever mm. you do to your customers which will positively impact Mm. the business Mm. that you're working for. And I think that goes back to everything. It goes Mm. back to the business you're working for, the people who are working for you. How do you make sure that you sell the services, how you build stuff, how you build the products, Mm. and how they are perceived so that you can make sure that your teams are sustained for a long period Mm. and you can manage great teams. But I am going to
0: say, Mish, that, when you asked me about how long my day was, mm-hmm. I did feel a draw to you. So I think you have a gift. You gave me the warm fuzzies.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I... Is I, it from your parents? Well, y- yes, yes, uh, definitely. So my, my mother is a, uh, is a clinician. She's a homeopathic doctor. And I've seen her... Um, I've seen her through my, you know, while growing up. I've seen her go through her patients, and I, I think she made that personal connection with with the patients. And you know, I still, she still practices, and I still see uh, patients when I was young, or people mm-hmm. who used to come to her for medicine still coming over. So you know, I, I, also you know, the way I was brought up is in a very middle class family. I, I think you, you know, it's. Just the way I was brought up, it was about making genuine connections. Mm. And really, you know, you cannot fake it. What I've learned from my mom and and my family, my wife is very similar. Um, You cannot fake it. You either have it or you don't. And as a leader in an organization, if you don't build that kind of connection Mm. with your people, you cannot get anything mm-hmm. done or you will not get their respect in order to do, you know, work mm-hmm. together as it team. And, the,
0: and, the, and the, the currency you have to spend in order to build that connection is, is time. Exactly. And if you're not going to make that time, you know, you might say, well, I have to spend my time on this roadmap or this spreadsheet or this strat- strategic meeting. Great. But you're gonna, you need to spend time on these people that are following your company vision and spending their time on your vision. And, and, and I think that's the difference is when you're serving someone, whether it's at Burger King or at a solution engineering meeting with a potential new customer, is just are you willing to take that time and invest it authentically and truthfully into that person's life? I completely agree with you. So you um, then, what happened? So,
1: yeah. So I pursued my master's um, at the time it was 2018. Burbanking fired you. <laughs> I left. <laughs> so I, I was there for, I think, good two semesters. But at the time there was, you know, all the kids or the, the grad students, at least the international ones, they were holding off on graduating because they knew it's going to be hard to get, ah, to a, get job. a job. But I, I somehow saw that as an opportunity. I thought that, you know, what, so you think of the worst, like what worse can happen, right? I think that goes back to your question on character. I think if you have a strong will, you know, you look at these external conditions, they are external conditions. I knew the first interview I get, I'm going to crack it, and I'm going to go work for that company. So two semesters in, I left my job at Burger King and i was doing a bunch of tutoring you know working on some other jobs i left all of that and i said okay well what do i need in next 6 months i just need to start preparing for interviews and start uh, pretty much you know going out and building myself up for those interviews which are going to mm-hmm. happen mm. 6 months down the line so uh, 6 months down um, i get this call from a management consulting firm it's called agama solutions which is in Fremont, and they've got all these tech clients across the board. And um, yeah, I I meet with them, I crack the interview, and uh, uh, their first client that I started working with uh, was Kaiser Permanente. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's how I got my break. I got to Kaiser Permanente as a solution consultant when I started, and uh, that's where you know I I i looked at healthcare i had so much effervescence energy i was a technologist by by education but then i thought there's so much i have learned which can be implemented in this dis- in this particular industry and also my mother was a doctor is a doctor so i always had that you know um uh, uh, uh somehow some connection with mm-hmm. healthcare because i i always wanted to help people um you know, So I think at Kaiser Permanente, I realized that this is what I want to do and mm. I want to be a healthcare technologist and enable patients, physicians mm. with the best technology mm. so that we can really cut out the cost mm. out of the system and improve the quality of care.
0: Uh, and, and just for some context, what is the healthcare system in India compared to the US? Yes,
1: yeah. great question. So... Um, healthcare system in U.S. is very health plan focused, right? So uh, there's the insurance. And uh, if you subscribe to insurance, which you have to through different plans, or you can through different plans here, um, you're assigned a doctor. And most of your healthcare costs really go to the health plan. So you go to a doctor's office. The claim is generated, goes out to the health plan. They pay the claim, and you're paying your regular co-pays, uh, as well as paying for the insurance. India, I think, in the last five years has changed. Now, it's getting to this model of health plans and and benefit providers. But traditionally, it has been a out-of-pocket sort of system. So, I see these two countries as two different extremes. In India, you might go to a clinic. One, so there, there are positives and negatives to both. One, in India, like here, if you call a PCP, you need at least two weeks. Uh, you have a two weeks wait before you can get into the door. There you call the PCP, and, or mm-hmm. when I say PCP, primary care mm-hmm. provider, you can get into the road. You, know, you just can walk into the clinic and you'll mm-hmm. get the appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you're paying everything out of pocket. Which was traditionally the healthcare system in U.S. Uh, sorry, in India, uh, but now it's changing. Now there are all these global players like AIG mm-hmm. is coming to India. They are local.
0: Uh, so you pay the monthly fees, you pay the copay, and yeah. it's, it's that kind of system. Yep, very insurance based. So Kaiser Permanente, then you.
1: Then what happened? So um, I was at Kaiser Permanente, um, and then I was at the time doing quite a bit of stuff related to um, ICD-9 to ICD-10, and then I got into the innovation team, so I was doing quite a bit. So our team was called Innovation and Solution Design, and we were really looking at the next generation products and builds for Kaiser. And Kaiser is, at, I think that was the most amazing experience because kaiser is one of the top most innovative healthcare delivery systems in the world and i got a first-hand opportunity to look at projects in robotics and rpa in uh, artificial intelligence nlp um so i think that was great experience i was there for good uh two and a half to close to three years and then um I wanted to venture out and learn something new. So I got to Toyota somehow and uh, I was working with Toyota financial services mm-hmm. um, uh, for a short contract. I was with, I mean, I was still with the Gama solutions as my consulting firm. I went to work for Toyota for, I think good eight months, but then I realized Toyota was great learning like their processes. The business process value of Toyota is amazing. So in six to eight months, I learned everything about business process management. How do you create? So by profe- by education, I have I'm lean and six sigma certified mm-hmm. in my engineering management course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to Toyota, it actually taught me how to use six sigma. How do you use process mapping to solve problems? So while I was doing that, I realized that you know, I, even though Toyota is great, but I think my I would. My passion really lies in healthcare. Mm. And that's when I decided to move and I moved to an organization called North American Medical Management, which is part of Optum Care. Now, Optum Care is one of the entities within United Health Group, which is, I think, $270 billion enterprise. Um, it's huge. Now they're Fortune 5 um, and they're growing at a crazy fast speed. I was there for six years before recently, a month and a half ago, I uh, made the decision to move and go to a smaller organization and start working at the grassroots level. And I got to P3 Health Partners, which, uh, uh, and I started here as uh, the chief technology officer, Mm. um, building really next generation of healthcare ecosystem, which is technology-enabled.
0: Mm. And uh, so, just give me a brief description of your team. Mm-hmm. Like, what, who, how large is your engineering team, and the overall spread?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, let me talk about a little bit about the business first. So, mm. our business, P Three Health Partners, is in. Uh, we manage uh, risk on the behalf of health plans. So, our primary customers are the health plans who uh, who delegate. The risk to us, so we can go manage the risk on patient populations, and the way we do it is through our um, our network of providers, contracted and employed. So we have PCPs, we have specialists, we have hospitals in our ecosystem, long term care, SNF, and whatnot. And it's really a truly a value based care system. So we are looking at we are really managing the health of our populations by risk. By by risk assessing them and building the plan of care by how their health risk is, um, so that's our business. Now talking about the engineering team. So, um, so
0: someone who's doing Soul Cycle is more likely to die of a heart attack than someone who might be going for a walk with their dog.
1: Yeah, well, there's there's more math to it. So uh, I think the math is is that we calculate something called risk adjustment factor for each one of the patients mm. which it's a complex calculation mm. but the risk adjustment factor comes from your socioeconomic socio uh, mm. sociodemographic mm. conditions and, and
0: it gives you a score exactly and then that in turn informs the um, the providers providers to to know how what the copays are, or not the copay, but what the plan coverage is.
1: Yeah, and who they need to bring in first, or bring in more often into their clinic, so we can manage more proactively on the higher risk patients or members, and and make sure that you know. So we basically subdivide our population in tiers and call it highest of the high risk versus you know uh these people are more prone to uh, er admissions what versus. are the
0: highest risk factors
1: well there there are multiple things we take into account there one is obviously the number of chronic conditions that you are that a patient might mm-hmm. have uh two is the medications the amount of medications taken three is the number of stays they've had in in an emergency Mm. room or in a hospital. So um, those are some of the factors that sort of uh, tie into calculating. And you're tapping
0: into your partners to get that data.
1: Yes. So we are tapping into multiple different Mm. ecosystems. So we are getting data from the health plans. We are getting data from our primary care, from the specialist, hospital, SNF. Wherever a member or a patient has been, and wherever there's been an episode and an encounter documented, we pull that data into our environment. And then on top of that, we have built our business rules, which mm. sort of calculate mm. that risk adjustment factor on an ongoing basis. Okay.
0: And so your team?
1: Yes. So let me
0: talk about my
1: team. So the way we have our team is really um, within the technology team, we have uh, IT which is core infrastructure, cybersecurity, and support. Um, The second team we've got is data engineering. So everything which is data integration, normalization, putting that into the warehouse, uh, doing analytics on top of that, as well as working on the artificial intelligence portion of it is all data engineering. And then the third one is product innovation, which is primarily driving the care experiences for the organization organization for the professionals in this case the providers and the patients so they built you know everything from mobile apps to wearable devices to omni channel experience of how these care providers and the um, patients interact with our technologies done by product
0: innovation so do you do the the providers have to enter data into your system or do you integrate with existing systems great question so you
1: know i think p3 so p3 health partners is a fairly new organization we are i think a year and a half old and oh, growing come. very fast um so on the technology roadmap we so currently our employed providers are on, on athena and it's completely integrated okay. our contracted provider network is on disparate different systems mm. and we are integrating the plan is to integrate them using you know, one of the uh, well, fire and HL7 compliant mm-hmm, interfaces mm-hmm. that can bring the data into our mm-hmm. environment.
0: Are the three P's um, patients, plans, and providers?
1: Uh, passion, people, and purpose. Or <laughs> 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 people, purpose, and passion.
0: Awesome. And so you're the size of your engineering team. So then you have these three groups.
1: Well, yeah. So as I said, right, I I just got here and I'm building out. So I think the data teams are there. We have the data team. We have the IT. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. building the product innovation Mm -hmm. right now from Mm -hmm. scratch. And that will be my job in next year or so.
0: Do you... have you been there long enough to kind of tell us about sort of the AI strategy or the the tooling that you're using, or is that the secret sauce?
1: Well, I think it's the secret sauce, okay. but I can explain you. I, I like conceptually what we are trying to do is integrate data from various different systems uh, into one place, so we have a solid data underlying data, and then. Uh, some of the problems that we are trying to solve with artificial intelligence and machine learning are building decision support by building clinical correlations. Uh, 30% of healthcare data is unstructured data. So at the time of integration, we are also using NLP and computer vision to convert a lot of this unstructured data into structured data. So we can do analytics mm-hmm. on that. Um, and we've got a whole lot of different use cases of
0: automation that mm. we're trying to do mm. with AI. That sounds exciting. I think the, the health tech space is, there's is, is so many companies wanting to bring some innovation to that space. Mm. Are you using data from wearable devices? That's on our roadmap. So
1: I, I think especially to manage chronic uh, patients with chronic conditions, which who we have to, um, you know, make sure that we are managing their ongoing health. We plan to use wearable tech and wearable devices, and integrate all of that data into our secret sauce, which mm-hmm. is our AI mm-hmm. system, in order to predict and predict any um, episode, mm-hmm. episodes or encounters mm-hmm. that might
0: happen. One one lesson I learned recently, which I I think you you also highlighted for me was um, I in building building my company I've often looked at how can I take this person and fit them into a role in the business mm-hmm. and and last year I kind of learned this lesson the hard way and I kind of got I got to a place where I had to say uh, what does the business need mm-hmm. and, and who can Who can fulfill those roles? Right.
1: Yeah, no, and I think I follow the same uh, principle. I think a lot of times, primarily like technologists, right? I see this problem with a lot of technology leaders as well as technologists in general, engineers. They look at technology first. So, hey, I've got this great AI engine. It works perfect. It It can do this integration, that, 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 and that, like 10 things, well, I really want to use this. And then now let me go find a business problem Mm -hmm. that I can Mm -hmm. solve for using this great technology. So I think a lot of the engineers, at least with my experience, have fallen for that. What has been my success in big and small organizations, you know, in in years, has really been um, making sure you identify the problem first, the business problem. Because a business is a business, right? It might have, you know, 50 different things that need to be worked on. I think the ability to identify the top five, which are, is going to make 80%, 70, 80% impact on your business. So identifying the problems and then trying to solve it, not just with technology. Technology is not always the answer. Mm. I think you need to think as, as a problem solver, people, process, and technology and combinations. So sometimes it's all three people, process, tech. Sometimes it's just process and tech. And sometimes it's not tech. Sometimes it's people and process. And as you fix it, things will get fixed. So I think we as, you know, across the board, what I tell my teams is look at business problems, make sure you quantify the business problems, and then go out solving for it, not just with tech, but you know, with people processing. So
0: you're saying empower your teams then also to think about business first, not just a C-level exercise.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Uh, You know, C-level exercise, I don't, I feel, I truly feel, because I come from grassroots, I've worked my way up in the organizations I've worked at. As technologists, as process engineering folks, as anyone in the organization, if you do not understand the problem, you cannot solve for it. Even if, if the if the solution is tech. So what I do with my teams is I structure them in a way where they are very closely aligned with the business. I don't see a tech team as a different team. I align them directly with the business unit so they know the business that they are supporting and though they know all about it. Mm. And, and their job is to look at that first and see how they can enable those business, mm. you know, business units or solve those problems using tech and process.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've had, uh, are your teams local or? They are local for now. I've had um, a real challenge sometimes bringing... <laughs> Product empathy or customer empathy, product focus, business focus to my dev teams Mm -hmm. because many times they would say, you're loading up my brain with 90% of like things I have to think about when what I really want to do is code and solve technical challenges. True. So how do you walk your – do you have engineers like that and then how how do you help them see the light?
1: Well, I think I think that's how the way you build your teams is so important, right? The way I I I am a big fan of Agile Scrum and I really build stuff by iterative approach and big part of Agile Scrum is having a very strong Scrum Master. And the way I look for Scrum Master is really a pseudo person who Mm -hmm. knows you know i will not hire the best engineer out there or best scrum master who's done all the development without having the tribal knowledge of the business so mm. my mostly i i also call them product ceos mm. so i hire the right product ceos who can build that culture within their group so they don't necessarily have to push down all the details to the to the developers but I think those scrum masters or product CEOs are so much more important in this mm, day and age. To help, to help preach the message. Exactly. To pitch the message and even to prioritize by business problems.
0: Mm. So if I can uh, touch on the future. So you have so many, so many startups trying to develop ecosystems, new file sharing formats, new Protocols in the healthcare space. How, is everyone just running a race to see who can get their systems adopted the quickest? Or is there some sort of consortium or some sort of agreement between all these startups to work together towards one common glorious goal? Uh, I've not seen the
1: consortium yet. I think there's a mad rush, but, but there's a reason for the mad rush, Etienne, if you really go back to the root cause. If you see, all the other industries you see automotive industry, or airlines, or finance they have now been disrupted with technology, with there's so much technology like I could not imagine now I see Ubers and I, or Lyfts, and I cannot imagine that we were paying four times more price for the same service not too long ago and you same thing with how you book tickets or you get flights you know things like that so everything has disrupted healthcare is at the cusp right now of that disruption with technology and i think that's where you see all that the big mm. mad rush mm. so i really feel like you see the three way um, you know amazon berkshire Burke, uh, hathaway and and uh, jp morgan right that's that's a consortium like three big huge giants coming together to solve for healthcare costs or organizations like United Health Group Optum or some of these consolidations that you see CVS Aetna so there's there's a lot of movement in the space right now but i really feel that you know it's not a small problem this is a very compliance heavy industry um a lot of regulations and laws so as you know, there's a mad rush right now, but at the end of it, if you keep patient at the center of all of it and really find ways to build a, ge- a great patient experience, if you find ways to cut down the healthcare costs. So as an organization, if you go back to the quadruple aim, which is build the best patient experience out there, uh, reduce the cost of care improve quality of care, and improve physicians' experience in providing care to their patients. As a organization, if you are following that four principles and you take that four pillars of yours, and whatever you do is around that and you go back to the roots and say, this is how I'm going to impact this or cut across, you, you'll be successful.
0: But those four pillars could be on a sinking ship, right? I mean, <laughs> you're still in a ecosystem that is that is essentially sick Yeah,
1: agreed agreed and uh, I agree and see that's why that I see that as an opportunity I mean you think of healthcare our, we are spending third of our GDP on healthcare uh, we are uh, in terms of healthcare cost we are the top nations in the world spending so much money on healthcare in terms of interoperability. We don't share data. Data is not shared between ecosystem. So I think, I think it's less of technology problem. I think we have to look at it holistically from policies to uh, regulations to technology to health systems and then try to solve it. I
0: like, I like the analogy or the, the analogous, uh description for taxis and Uber Where you were paying four or five times more for a taxi for the same trip. It'll be interesting to see if the Uber for healthcare is upon us or is coming soon or is somehow going to completely destroy this current ivory tower. Yeah. And see, that's
1: that as there are multiple principles or trends from other industries that healthcare is tried, trying to catch up to. And Uber for healthcare, like Uber Health is already a company, right? Mm. Uh, so, uh, well, they're, they're dealing with mostly patient transportation. But I think as a healthcare model, if uh, I think a lot of big and small healthcare systems are looking at stuff like this. And I am pretty confident that very soon or we are already at a point where disruption is happening and cms and a lot of these government organizations are are supporting it like telehealth is now a reality
0: so if you just if you were to if you can help me visualize when you say it's almost here or it's almost going to happen mm-hmm. what is that does it is it is it playing a fraction of the monthly fees i'm paying now is it mm-hmm. is it less invoicing from individual contractors is it like, what does that look like? I know when we went to Germany, my, you know, one of us had surgery and, and it cost us like $15. Mm. Mm. And it was yeah. world-class surgery and it was in and out and done. Right, right. What does a, what does a perfect health care system look like in the United States? If we can magically just fix it. right. I feel like you're thinking about that. So. <laughs> yes, yes. So,
1: I, I, you know, I think the perfect healthcare system is something that you just talked about. You went in with the best. So what you're telling me is you went in for a surgery. The experience was amazing. So the care that was provided to you was top quality care. Number two, the cost of care was low. It was negligible. Yeah, it was like next to nothing. Mm. Uh, the care outcome is you are, we are here and we are talking and you seem very healthy and you look good. And, you know, the, the quali- so we covered the quality, the cost, your experience. And I'm sure the physicians, if they are working in that ecosystem, will not have. How are mm. the physicians looking like or the clinicians? Your- no, that's
0: a good question. I, it, this was in Germany and oh, it was at a stage where all Germans looked angry. <laughs> We hadn't learned the language yet, so it's, uh, it was scary. Okay. A little. Okay. They could have been saying, hey, enjoy, please enjoy this breakfast. And we heard, you better enjoy this only meal you're going to get for the rest of your hospital stay. Okay. So, I don't know. All right. Maybe. But I, but I hear you. You're, you're saying those four pillars are sort of, if, if it's execu- this new system will succeed in those four things. Exactly. The only question that remains is um, brinjal. <laughs> South Africans call it brinjal as well.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. Well, I was, uh, I, yeah. So I'll I'll tell you my brinjal story Please. and and capsicum too. Thank you. So my first day in, uh, I think my first week in US, I went with my friends to uh, shop for groceries, and we go to this Fresh and Easy, and I was looking at vegetables. I didn't find now eggplant and green bell peppers. And I'm like, I can't find brinjal and capsicum. Where the heck is it? So I asked for this guy who's helping me out. And I'm like, I can't find brinjal. Can you help me with that? He's like, what are you talking about? And at the time, you know, smartphones were not there. Mm-hmm. So I could show mm-hmm. him. So, um, so he's like, what are you talking about? I said, brinjal. He said, it's like explain to me what you're asking me. Like, is this? He he. Almost, and you
0: didn't know the alternative word.
1: <laughs> I didn't know there's anything like so, eggplant. That so you exists. had to
0: describe. It's like me trying to describe a concept to my kids. That right. I don't know what which words I'm gonna use. Right, and the way I described it was probably bad. So. <laughs>
1: So the guy almost thought that I'm, I'm messing with him. Wow. And he's like, dude, an, I've not heard this term. This doesn't look like we don't we don't have it. I said, wow. it's a vegetable. Well, we don't have it. So I'm like, okay, fine. Then I went back home and I asked my friends. And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? Go ask for eggplant. Mm. So that's our British English, which was spoken in India. No, no I I mean, not,
0: capsicum is something I've never heard of.
1: Oh, is it? Uh-huh. So in, in British English they call green bell peppers as capsicum. Oh. But if you know if you don't know the term, it's mm. a nebulous term, right? It's like something bad or something.
0: My all time favorite Indian dish is um butter chicken. Oh yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Unmesh, this was awesome. Same thing. Thank here. you very much for sharing with us and being with us and um, bringing a little bit of my home to me with our early discussion.
1: Yeah, no, and thanks for inviting me. I think this was a great experience discussing healthcare, uh, discussing life. It, it was an amazing awesome. experience.
0: Thank you, Anmesh. All time. right. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Hi, thank you for listening to the CTO Studio. If you don't mind, take a quick second and please rate and review the show. It helps us a lot. Go to thectostudio.com for more information on what we're doing at 7CTOs. We also have a video or two for you that could be a helpful resource for you as you're managing your company. So thank you for listening.